Hello, it's David here. There are more people listening to the Leader Coronavirus Daily than ever before, so thank you to everyone who shared the show and let others know about our news, analysis, interviews and special features. We hope it's been useful to you and please do keep telling others about us. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. Hi, I'm David Marsland. The financial impact of COVID-19 has been revealed, and it's grim. We could be looking down into the abyss of of an unprecedented slump uh, in this country over the next few months. The Evening Standard's Jonathan Prynne on the virus's hit to the economy. Are there any signs of hope? Also, in Twelfth Night, Olivia says about falling in love, is it as quick as the plague? On Shakespeare Day, we talk to expert Professor Emma Smith. What can the Bard teach us about living during the time of a pandemic? Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the Leader Coronavirus Daily. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, the huge scale of the damage wrought on the UK's economy by COVID-19. This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Putting the country into lockdown immediately got people thinking, how bad could this get? Well, now we're getting an idea. An economic hit to the UK worse than the global financial crisis of 2008. An IHS market survey, which is watched by the market, says there's been a previously thought unimaginable drop. Its survey found that 81% of service providers reported a fall in business during the fortnight from April 7th to April 21st, while 75% of manufacturing firms took a hit. But our editorial column says there are some survivors of the fallout. Every time a scientific advisor to the government urges caution, suggesting some forms of social distancing could go on until the end of the year, whole sections of London's services sector, restaurants, theatres, bars, fear that they will have to give up the ghost. That's one part of what is happening. It's real and it's horrible. But there's another story that needs telling too, 
which is that parts of the economy are adapting to survive and even recover. Taylor Wimpy is planning to restart some projects in early May. Aston Martin is opening up its factories then too. The nation's heroic network of truckers and delivery drivers and the Royal Mail are flat out. Some retailers which stop selling online are restarting. Getting out of this will be painful. The economic horror is everywhere. But the seeds of recovery are there for when coronavirus ends. As it will. Our consumer business editor Jonathan Prins with me over Skype. Jonathan, not to put too fine a point on it, but these figures look very, very bad. Yeah, they're, they're kind of beyond bad. They're, they're in a whole new category of their own, David, because uh, we haven't really, certainly in my career, I've never seen figures anything like this. And I don't think any economist probably working today has seen anything remotely like these. They They are really grisly numbers that point towards uh, a recession of... Um, you know, unprecedented is, a, is an overused word, but this this genuinely, we could be looking uh, down into the abyss of, of an unprecedented slump uh, in this country over the next few months. Who's been hardest hit? The companies that seem to be um, suffering the most at the moment are those that rely on a steady stream of people to actually walk in and uh, you know, enjoy their services. So the hospitality sector has been uh, shut down effectively. No restaurants are open. Um, the travel sector obviously pretty much shut down as well. Hardly anyone flying. Um, hotels are shut. So it's those sorts of areas, but also lots of other service sectors such as the hairdressers and, and obviously retail very hard hit, but at least retail can do some deliveries, um, particularly in the food, you know, the food sector's holding up relatively well and others can do deliveries. But for hospitality and travel, it, it's, it really is a pretty much total wipeout. And with questions still remaining over when we actually come out of lockdown, that kind of uncertainty can't be helping. Well, this is now the big dilemma facing these companies. At first, they thought, OK, it's going to be a couple of months of pain and then everything will go back to normal. That, that clearly is not the case. What we're seeing is... Um, consumers increasingly concerned about going back to you know for example busy restaurants how do they stay safe how do you maintain social distancing in, in a in a crowded pub all those sorts of issues and at the same time so so the consumers will be nervous but at the same time also how is spending going to go back to where it was before at a time when people are desperately worried about their jobs their future financial security um, as we go into into recession. And I think that's what might make this different to the financial crash of 2008 because back then we could see what action needed to be taken. We could bail out the banks. This time there's such an open-ended nature to this that it makes it that much harder to find out what the solution is. Yeah, and there's just so much fear uh, out there and concern, obviously, the the. the you know, ultimately the fear of catching this disease and getting seriously ill or, or worse, you know, that has to be taken into account. It's a unique feature of this coming recession, which clearly, obviously we didn't have last time. I mean, the last recession was, was bad and there, were, there was fear around it, was, but it was a financial fear. This time we've got, you know, a, a, a medical fear um, at the same time as a financial fear sort of amplifying each other. And that's going to make it really hard to get people to 
uh, to be in the mood to go back and, and spend in the way that they were uh, just a few months ago. But there is still just a little bit of hope left for us, isn't there, Jonathan? The, the one glimmer of optimism in today's figures, which which come from uh, IHS Market, who who do this regular um, business uh, monthly business survey, which is very closely watched in the city, the the only minuscule glimmer of hope was there was a slight increase in optimism, bizarrely, uh, in April compared with March. Um, so maybe people are beginning to look through this and beyond and think, you know, that there may be the tiniest prick of light at the end of the tunnel when we can get back to something approaching um, uh, normality. Next. There's been some interesting work about one of his, the places where he lodged in London on Silver Street. And we know that the woman of that family uh, died, possibly of plague. So it, it may have touched him uh, it, where he was living. Shakespeare scholar Professor Emma Smith. What did the Bard have to say about pandemics? It's Shakespeare's birthday. Probably there's no birth certificate, but April 23rd is generally accepted as the day the bard was born. And it's usually when there's a whole load of activity to celebrate. Not so much this year, all the theatres are shut, but you can stream plays for free from the Globe Theatre, like its 2009 production of Romeo and Juliet. Oh, Tybalt! Good Mercutio! Ah! I'm hurt! Come on! A dying Mercutio there cursing the Montagues and the Capulets. Just one of many references to plagues, poxes and sickness that pop up in quite a lot of Shakespeare's plays. Shakespeare scholar Professor Emma Smith is with me over Zoom now. And Emma, there are no Shakespeare plays about pandemics specifically, but there were plenty of sicknesses around in his time. He's clearly writing for an audience that knows all about them. Yeah, completely. So the plague really infects, if you like, Shakespeare's language, Shakespeare's imaginative language. So cursing by the plague, um, King Lear curses his daughters with, with plague symptoms. All kinds of characters use it in that way. But there's also a different uh, line of imagery in Twelfth Night, Olivia. So comedy, not, not, a, not, not a full-blown tragedy by any means. In, in Twelfth Night, Olivia says about falling in love, is it as quick as the plague, even so quick as the plague? So uh, it's definitely there. It's there for everybody to, to draw on. And these are words that he'll know that his audience is going to pick out and they're going to resonate with them because there was just so much sickness around at that time, wasn't there? Yeah, I feel as if they're the kinds of words that have got lost to us in a way. Um, it's one of the really interesting things about a crisis time, isn't it, that certain words, either that you'd never really heard of, you know, like furlough or um, phrases like, you know, self-isolation, they become completely, you know, what everybody is talking about. And that's certainly the case with sort of plague imagery. So I think sometimes what our own current situation is enabling us to do is to look again at Shakespeare's language and think, gosh, this must have actually really resonated at the time uh, people were watching them. Obviously, on Shakespeare Day, as we have it, there are normally lots of events, lots of plays going on, but that isn't happening because all the theatres have been closed down. But 
Did that happen in his time too? Well, certainly the theatres were uh, relatively frequently closed because of plague deaths. The City of London um, managed this by keeping a tally of the death toll. And when the death toll uh, rose, there are different levels over the period, then the theatres were all closed. Uh, if you've seen Shakespeare in Love, you remember that's part of what's going on uh, in the background to that rivalry. Uh, so yeah, Shakespeare was really, Shakespeare and his, his, his company and his audiences were used to that on-off kind of theatre scheduling. So he's obviously writing these tragedies that his audiences are going to, but the audiences themselves are going through their own tragedies at the same time. What do you think he's trying to tell them about the time that they're living in? So the first thing is, I think that Shakespeare was popular, probably because he wasn't trying to tell people things. You and I probably wouldn't want to go to the theatre to have some message kind of rammed down our throat. You know, that, that's not what anybody really wants. But I think the way Shakespeare reflects the plague is actually in two ways. One is, I think, in tragedies, he really pushes back against what I think is the biggest terror of the plague, probably then and now, which is kind of statistics that you turn into a number, uh, that there are huge plague pits where people are just sort of all tumbled in together uh, and that death erases individuality. And I think what tragedy says insistently is, it doesn't say there's no death, quite the opposite. It really embraces that, but it says, you know, deaths are important, they're individual, they're about you know, you have your moment on stage where you deliver your kind of dying words or something, and there are people there to watch. There are people there to, to corroborate your life story. One of the things that's so frightening right now, isn't it, the idea of people dying, dying alone. So I think that's what he does in tragedies. But I think we also know that when terrible things are happening, if you think about, I don't know, the Depression uh, in the 30s, uh, what kinds of films are Hollywood making? Actually, mostly not films about the Depression. They're making big Busby Berkeley musicals. Uh, they're making feel-good things. They're making cheerful things. And I think Shakespeare does also respond to plague by thinking, you know, damn it, we are all going to die. Let's have a good time while we can. There's more of a kind of comedy uh, kind of thrust to that. And the big business of comedy in for Shakespeare is not so much that it's funny. It's about life. It's about reproduction. It's about things going on. It's about life continuing. Uh, and I think that's uh, the other way in which he uh, helps maybe the London audiences through these difficult times. How much are those outside events influencing William Shakespeare's writing at this time? Is he thinking as he's putting things down on the page, I need to help the audience get through this? I kind of think it's probably not as sort of instrumental, not as clear cut as that, uh, or, or not as deliberate as that rather. I think for a long time we've thought that Shakespeare was probably not uh, like some other writers, the most learned of people. That's to say, he doesn't get necessarily all of his information from reading and studying. He probably gets his sense of people and his sense of language and his sense of how people operate from looking around him and, and, and absorbing those kinds of uh, influences. And I think he had a very sort of, sometimes I think of it as quite a kind of sticky kind of memory. I think if he hears a word or hears that everybody's talking about something, I think that sticks and it, and it gets into his plays, but perhaps not in an absolutely direct way. And Shakespeare himself, was he ever sick? 
That's a great question. We don't know if he ever was sick. Mortality from bubonic plague is quite high. Uh, I mean, so some people did recover, but it was a pretty high mortality. Um, there's been some interesting work about the places where he lodged in London on Silver Street, where he lodged with a, a French immigrant family, in fact. And we know that um, the woman of that family died, possibly of plague. So it may have touched him uh, it, where he was living. Um, but it certainly, I think it kind of grabs everybody uh, in this period. On Shakespeare Day then, if there's one play that people should try and find online, read the script, what would you recommend? Um, if I'm allowed to, depending on whether you're a kind of tragedy person or a comedy person, if you're a tragedy person, absolutely, definitely Macbeth. Loads of reasons why, but it's really, really compelling. Uh, I, think, I think you will absolutely love it. Quite short by Shakespeare standards, so definitely I would go for that. If you're more of a comedy kind of person, Twelfth Night, maybe Much Ado About Nothing. Either of those have got good rom-com kind of movie versions, which I would recommend. They're both, uh, they're both great plays, and they're both actually, incidentally, plays I talk about in my book, which is called This Is Shakespeare. And in that book, what I try and do is to say, Shakespeare's not as hard or as boring as you think. Emma's book, This is Shakespeare, is out now. And that's the leader, Coronavirus Daily. You can keep up with all the latest COVID-19 developments with the Evening Standards live blog, which you'll find at standard.co.uk. And we also have morning briefings available at 7am through your smart speaker. Just ask for the news from the Evening Standard. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.